Hello, hello, you found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we have so many topics to go into. I don't know that I can list them They're all. They're just too numerous to too mention. Too numerous to mention. We have political things and we've each watched numerous television shows. So we're just going to do a launch. Here we go. The first thing that I wanted to talk about, just because it's so disturbing, was the testimony that the policeman gave at the House Select Committee. Did you hear any of it? Yes, I heard quite a bit of it. It's so emotional. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was so interesting to me to hear these, what I would consider macho men, right. break down and right. cry. Right, they all had PTSD and all kinds of things. And what was so dramatic, there had been so much airing of the guy who got slammed between the two doors. And he was one of them. Mm-hmm. And you got to see him mm-hmm. talking. You got that sense that, wow, this happened to a real person, not just a clip on the news. Yes. I didn't see it because I don't have television. Did they show the cameras that were the body cam footage? I don't know what camera caught this, but there's a clip that they showed over and over of this cop trying to keep these people outside of a door, and he gets caught between the the double door, and they're pushing (laughs) the one that's closest to them, and it's crushing him. And he's screaming, screaming in pain. Did it seem as if the people wanted to hurt him? or No, did, were they, they wanted just... in, but they were willing to hurt him to get in. They were? Okay. Oh, he, he was screaming, and they could hear They were right in his face. They could hear him. They knew they were hurting him. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, yeah. They showed no mercy. So much for the tourism comment. Right. Speaking of the tourist comment, did you hear what was said afterwards? I heard Jamie Raskin interview Congressman Clyde was the one who made the comment about if you didn't know who they were, you would have just thought they were tourists. And Raskin was very sharp. And he laid into him on that. And Clyde came back and said, I will not talk to you about you paraphrasing what I said. I stand by the words of what I said. And Raskin goes, oh, great. Here they are. And he read it verbatim, what the guy had said. I did hear that, but he kept awesome. interrupting he kept him. It. Yeah. But see, they're getting so nervous, I think that's a good sign. Did you see Jim Jordan dancing all around whether or not he talked to Trump on the 6th? I heard it. He was a mess. And he looked as terrified as he sounds. He just acted like a total deer in the headlights. Really? Worse than a deer in the headlights. More like a, a scrambling bug of some kind who was <laughs> trying to get out of the rain that huh. was coming its way, you know? <laughs> I talk to Trump all the time. I, I think I talked to him. Yeah, I'm talk. Oh, it had to be after. I'm sure it was after. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was. Yeah, he was a mess. It was beautiful. And the Republicans seemed to have this scenario where it was Nancy Pelosi's fault. That was their that, party line. That yeah. that happened. Mm-hmm. And that these were political prisoners. Yes. Activists who've been taken yes. to jail because they... This is like the gulag now, and we're taking political jail. Because we're racist, and there's a two-tier system. Oh, that's right. That's right. We're anti-white. Yeah. yeah. They're oh, being God. treated so poorly. Oh, it makes me nervous that there is such conviction. I think that they now believe it. I think it's a group thing. I think thing. they believe that shit, too. Same with the masks. You know, this week, there was like all this How anti-mask crazy was that? stuff. But I don't think it's a pony. I think they really see a surgical mask as an affront to their right to exist. Their civil rights. Yes. Yeah. So weird. But they don't get upset about seatbelts. Or airbags. Right. Or polio shots. Or, well, maybe they would now. Someone said, if polio were an issue now, Tucker Carlson would see to it that people died from polio. Mm -hmm. Swaths of people died from polio. No, that's the scary thing. It's like the Q people. They really believe... This wacky stuff. 
They so do. you can't have a conversation about it really with them because you just can't move them from the stuff that they've latched onto. My concern is that this does not bode well for our democracy. Well, yeah, that and the voting rights falling away. Voting rights is a whole other. Shall we go into voting rights? Well, they go together. Well, we've talked a lot about voting rights. I don't know what more there is to say now, except that it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. I was watching a piece on Mansion today, you know, he's still just so insane. I'm not a history expert, but he seems to have a twisted view of how filibuster came to be. He seems to think that it was part of the founding of the country, which it wasn't. And he seems to think it's there to protect minorities. Today, he said, that's why Rhode Island has two senators and New York has two senators, even though they represent a different number of people. It's to protect the rights of the smaller states. And he thinks that the filibuster is there to protect the voices of those who don't have as much power. That was never put in place by the founding fathers. No, and it was used by Senator Byrd, who he reveres, right. to keep civil rights keep from... laws in yes. place. It failed, but that's what it was used for. Right. So, and then they came up with this idea to carve out a little exception in the filibuster rule. Was it's, that Manchin's idea? No. They're trying to convince him that it's worth it. But, you know, he says, oh, and every time we've carved out an exception, the Republicans come back when they're in power and they make it worse. And well, they will anyway. Exactly. That's the, that's the exact answer to that. They'll make it worse and more regardless. It's like he's dancing a little minuet in the middle of a war zone. Huh. And that's an just, interesting visual. He's, he's just all caught up in this precious idea of his history that's not even real. It's, talk about people believing their own bullshit. He believes this he stuff. He does. He's intractable too. Yeah. That's so disturbing. But didn't he come up with some idea where he was running around saying, I can get everybody, everybody will be on board with this, something having to do with voting rights? Oh, yeah. Some version of it that would be more palatable. Yeah. I heard that a lot of Democrats are going to be on board because they want to let him run with it and see that he will never get oh. Republicans to be in a bipartisan Oh, that's good. Situation. Oh, that, that sounds good. Yeah. It's like having a kid. You have to let them make their mistakes so they can learn. You can't learn it for them. Yeah. It's an apt metaphor because what he's doing is so totally childish. And so destructive. Yeah. And obstructive. Yeah. We're looking down the barrel of a gun. We've got infrastructure. Mm -hmm. We've got voting rights. We've got, well, we've got voting rights and infrastructure. That's a lot. <laughs> and it has to get done before mm -hmm. 2022. We have to be along the path. <laughs> Although I did read an article that said Democrats, Democratic senators look like uh, we have a possibility of remaining and maybe gaining seats. Right. That would be a miracle. Yeah. That would be as much of a miracle yeah. as winning the two Georgia Senate seats. Right. Well, because they can't gerrymander the Senate because it's state by state. So that's why probably we have a shot. If we didn't have gerrymandering by Republican state legislatures, we'd probably have a very good shot in the House. That never occurred to me. Now that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. because it's, it's not by population. It's less representative in the sense that the Rhode same. Island gets two senators, Wyoming gets two senators. That's whack. But at least they can't carve out districts. Well, that's one reason to keep the Senate. Yeah, and the Senate can stop anything. So even if we lose the House, we can be our own Mitch McConnell Senate and just say no to everything if we have to. What I'm taking some hope in is that it's an atypical cycle. And so the normal rules that the party in power in the White House loses seats in Congress in the midterm might not be at play as much as in other years. There's a lot of wild cards. I'm hoping that that's true. It does seem like everything's been thrown up into the air. Trump's influence seems to be waning. Some. 
How do you factor well, that? There was a um, oh, the election in Ohio. Texas. That's right. His endorsed candidate lost. Yes, Susan Wright. And so we'll see. She lost to someone who was a more moderate Republican. I hope so. I don't really know. I think that's what happened. Was that Trump endorsed her, and then he came along and was more center of the mm-hmm. road. Well, we'll see. You know that Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. Oh yeah, times? yeah. We've been cursed. <laughs> anyway, so you saw Hacks. Hacks on HBO, the sitcom with Gene Smart and Hannah Einreich. Einbinder. It's a very hard name to remember. No, it, that's right. <laughs> I was surprised how much I like it. It's one of the only sitcoms that's just drawn me in. And it's largely because Gene Smart is so fearless. And she lets you see her at her worst and at her best. And yeah. she's just fearless. She has no more fucks to give. And she's so good. <laughs> I don't know the name of the actress that plays herself in Dalton's daughter. Oh, she's <laughs> She is wonderful. She's oh a my scream. god! My favorite line of the one I watched last night. I don't know. I'm like halfway through the first season. <laughs> she tells Ava that she's been in recovery for 20 years, and she's bitter because her mother won't come to one meeting with her. And then she says, "You want to go out to a bar after the show?" <laughs> she says, "Well, yeah, but aren't you in recovery?" She goes, "Oh, just for powder and pills. Liquid is open season." <laughs> Have you seen the episode where they go to, well, they're in Vegas, and she's having a showing of her jewelry? Yes, that's the one. Oh, my God. She was so that's brilliant in that. I gained a whole respect for that actress, just yeah. that one episode. What's Also, what I'm really liking about it, as far as personally what I'm getting from it, I love how Ava is not afraid to tell Deborah, Deborah Vance to fuck off, and yet they become friends. Not uh, in spite of that, but almost because of it. Because they don't trust anybody else. Ava has no veneer of social acceptability. Like when she did the cartoon of oh, the, yeah. the senator in the closet, right. she didn't get that the uh-huh. whole thing of being gay and in the closet, oh, right. that's not something that we laugh about anymore. Yeah. And when she runs over to the one person who's a writer, she's in LA and she's oh, yeah. there for just a short oh, time. Oh, she, she wants runs, a job. She wants a job. Yeah. And she has no the veneer. Filter. Yeah. <laughs> she can't even, I mean, yeah. she tries to act as if there's a right. relationship there, but right. you know that there isn't. And yeah. the woman knows that there isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a funny scene, too, because the woman she hits up for a job opportunity is just as flatly insulting to her as you could possibly just, just be. Just has no interest in her whatsoever. Right, right, and isn't afraid to say yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. That much they have in common. But yeah. I'm really liking it, and I love how there's a lot of cleverly written lines that normally would make me cringe because I would say real people don't talk that way. But because they're both comedy writers, I buy it. Yeah. That's how their minds think. They think in jokes, so it's okay. That's a good point. You know, like friends, I never really got to because they said such clever things but people just don't talk that way. I never got into Friends. I've seen episodes of it. I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. But I never got the bug. But I did get the bug for Hacks. I really I, did too. I'm so proud of myself that I'm binge watching a show that's not filmed in Scandinavia. I know. So I've really branched out. I was considering telling you it was filmed in Scandinavia <laughs> just so you'd look it up. Well, I hope that maybe it's really filmed in Scandinavia. <laughs> but they just made it look like Las Vegas. Or that there is a Scandinavian version yeah. that we just don't know about yet. Oh, that's the other thing too. Is in my own weird way, I love Las Vegas. I love quick trips to Las Vegas to play video poker. And I love all the kitsch and all the fake Eiffel Towers and stuff. I just think it's amazing. I can't stand Las Vegas. <laughs> I have never had a good time there. Well, I had a good time there once. I saw a concert there. Oh, yeah. But it's the gambling thing, I can't figure out what the appeal is. 
Ian really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? You can't even tell if it's day or night here. Well, I can see hating it because it's all plastic and fake. Yeah. And it's all like this glitzy veneer. And then if, if you venture off of the strip, it's a depressing oh, little town. Oh, it is. I can get not liking it, but there's some, there's a great Frank Gehry building in Las Vegas. In is downtown. there really? The Cleveland Clinic, Las Vegas branch is near downtown Vegas where wow. I like to stay. You could never live there. I mean, the heat's crazy. The whole point, I thought, was that you go in the winter. Right. You have another place you well, hang out. It was always a second home yeah, location. Yeah, like snowbirds, they call them. But anyway, I do like the series partially because there's all these visuals of Las Vegas. And her big mansion in the middle of nowhere. Oh, it's so in jacky. Las Vegas. She called it Versailles or something. And there's an episode where she's getting a yeah, salt cellar. And she yes. finally gets it thanks to Ava. And then you find out at the end the reason she wanted it was she had the salt shaker. She wanted to complete the set. <laughs> right. But she gets it and she sets it in her display case and she just looks at it and I can relate to that because that's how I look at my new appliances when I get them. It's like, oh, I'm happy to see that here. It makes me feel good. You know, I read that completely differently. Oh, yeah? I saw her put the piece in yeah. her collection yeah. and look at it. And my memory is that we could see her reflection off yeah. of the glass. Yeah. But that she felt empty after she had it. And it was like the pursuit was the thing that was oh, yeah. of interest to her. And actually having it. Oh, didn't, maybe. That, I read her face differently. Yeah. I read it more like, oh, I can rest about that now. Well, that just shows the difference between <laughs> you and me. <laughs> that I'm empty inside. Well, we're projecting, not just you and me, but humans. That's what we do. We project onto each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we do. It's amazing <laughs> we can communicate at all. Because we're really talking to people in our heads that we think are sitting across from us. Right, Mom? I am. <laughs> yes, Rachel. <laughs> I saw a movie last night that was so awful. Oh, great. It got such great reviews. Anthony Lane reviewed it well. This is okay. another one of those. He's... I almost always agree with him. Yeah. I, I turn to him yeah. whenever there's a review and I go, yeah. But yeah. I read his review after I'd seen it because uh -huh. I didn't realize he'd already reviewed it. It's called mm -hmm. The Green Knight. Oh, yes. Also, there's a woman on Film Week on NPR who played it this weekend. She went crazy about this movie. Okay. First of all, <laughs> it stars Dev Patel, who yep. I love. I heard that this was his greatest acting role ever. Right. Well, he was in a film called Lion, which was a far better performance, I think. The review in the New York Times said, The Seventh Seal Meets Monty Python. Oh, yeah. I saw that line somewhere. It's based on an Arthurian poem. Yeah. It's a legend. Sir Do you know about this? Character? I only know the title because I work with students who study medieval literature. So I, I see the title going by sometimes. People write dissertations. About I heard Arthurian legend. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, great. Camelot. Yeah. Well, I heard the premise on yeah. Film Week. The well, she said was, it was a masterpiece. She was raving about it. Yes. She couldn't She couldn't. She couldn't shove up. It was <laughs> you heard her. On Film Week. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and as she was doing it, I was thinking... Hmm. Now, if I saw this on Rotten Tomatoes, I'd have to go, hmm, okay, she really liked it, but let's look at some of the other. It was 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. My only thought about it is people have been hankering for this Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings oeuvre, and yeah. this somehow is fulfilling of that. Mm -hmm. But it is so slow. Oh. It, a quarter of the way through it, I thought, well, I wonder when the plot's going to stop. <laughs> I'm sure that things are going to get rolling. Mm -hmm. They never get rolling. It's, Doesn't it start when he cuts off the Green Knight's head? Or does that take a while? It does. I guess you could call that plot. <laughs> if you were pressed to, you could call it a complication. <laughs> but, you know, it's like he's going... <laughs> 
clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. Going from one foggy bog to another <laughs> foggy bog. Oh, see, that would I would probably like it. You might. Because I like fog and gloom. I also like dialogue. <laughs> oh, there's that. There's that, <laughs> of which there is not very much in right. at all. Right. Because he's on a quest. Right. And he meets a couple of people along the way, but he's mostly questing. Well, it's making me think of Robert McKee, the screenwriting guru, yes. who in his class stressed the idea that film is not theater and it's not verbal. It's a visual medium. Yes. Then it should but, be an exciting visual medium right. and not a boring visual medium. No, and I that's what that. I found so challenging about it was it was such an internal thing. Mm-hmm. There's not much for him to play off of. That's the other thing McKee said, though, was that novels, and in this case a poem, rarely translate well to film because they are about the interior experience. People who know the poem are crazy for Mm. the film. Well, because finally someone did a film about this obscure poem that no one really hoped none of our students are listening. Nobody really cares about. (laughs) It left me completely cold. I wanted to turn to the person next to me and go, well, those are two hours of my life. I'll never get back again. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm so glad to hear you say this because I was hearing her rave and I thought, they don't usually go this out on a limb on film week. She's a little kooky too. Amy Nicholson. I I mean, I know nothing about her, but it seemed a little untethered. (laughs) Yes, and it was. I'm talking about her review, but the movie too. The movie was untethered. Yeah. Well, there's a movie coming out in October, which I normally wouldn't know about, but it's called The Last Duel. Oh, with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Is that who's in it? Yeah. I know about it because one of the professors in our department wrote it. He wrote the novel. It's based on a true story, I think. So it's going to be very exciting to see his work on the screen. Amazing. Yeah. I think Ridley Scott directed it? No, I just know that the book was by Jager. Is he still in your... Oh, he's on our faculty. Wow. He's a really nice guy. He's kind of quiet. I don't talk to him much, but he teaches medieval literature. So it's going to be exciting. Adam Driver's in it. It looks like a really interesting film. Mm -hmm. I hope it's good. I hope so, too. And you saw something else of interest. You watched I saw 1917. Things. Yeah. What'd you think? I really liked it. I'm coming off of this lengthy podcast on World War One, so it had yeah. a pull for me because of that. But it was great to see the trenches. Yes. It was amazing. with such, such realism. But yeah, I really did like it. I liked how it was about the war, but it, it was very much about a them. personal struggle. And about their friendship. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, and then I watched The Darkest Hour. It's great. Is it really? For me. I like historical. And is he good? To begin with. Did he deserve He's his... He's very okay. good. Is he? Okay. Also, in my lengthy podcast I listened to about World War One, I, I learned that Winston Churchill damn near lost the war for England because he conceived this Gallipoli invasion that turned into a route and it was just now, a are you total talking about failure. The, the First World War in World the second War I, One. Okay. He had cut his chops more or less in terms of military strategy on uh, World War One. He was known to have totally failed in World War One. So when they promote him to Prime Minister, that's one reason I hesitated to watch the film was I thought, well, they're going to present him as this marvelous statesman who yeah. did all these great things. But they don't. They really show him as a flawed person and a person who knows he's flawed, even though he's egotistical, as he has to be to be Winston Churchill. But he's also aware that he lost Gallipoli. And they bring it up a lot. And he's one of those people who's comfortable being unliked. And, oh, Kristen Scott Thomas plays his wife. Oh, I And love her. she's not in a lot of scenes, but she's in enough that she's brilliant. She's 
She's really wonderful. Yeah, it's great. She's sort of unsung. I feel like she always delivers. She's so versatile. and yet. But she works all the time, so I have a feeling it's okay. Yeah, I think what I really liked about it was you cared about him. He wasn't just a legend. He was a fallible human being, and you cared about him. Well, not to propagate doom and gloom, but we're at the end of our... Are we at the end of our journey? Yes, we are. <laughs> We've journeyed, and here we are. We started at the bottom, and now we're here. <laughs> so we should say We're not in the basement. No, we're not. We're not in the basement like, like Stephanie. Like Stephanie. Yeah. No. We're in the dining room. We're in the dining area. The designated dining area. We're kitchen area. adjacent. <laughs> So we should say goodbye. Bye, boomers. Bye, boomers. We will talk to you again in a week. Okay. Stay safe. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Bye.